This episode of RFK Refugees is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to ensure that there are future episodes and help this show grow, visit patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. That's patreon.com slash rfkrefugees. Enjoy the show. And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, RFK Refugees Podcast. Ted here, John here, here to dissect whatever the hell yesterday was. Decision Day 2019 in MLS. John, how you doing, my friend? How was the baseball game, by the way? Uh, it was tied one-to-one the last I saw, uh, so I'm going to be not in the know. I'm going to probably have the, uh, I'm going to have it up. In a little window, when you're talking, I'm going to be watching the game, probably, for being Pro- truthful. I, I would I would expect I would expect nothing <laughs> less of you, to be honest. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Um, but uh, let's, uh, yeah, man, let, you know, should we just get right into it? Should we, should we get right into what happened last week? You know what? Yeah. You know what? I think it's appropriate. I'm going to go ahead and say, make a, make a, make a, a judgment call here. We're going to open the phone lines, 202-905-0454. Call in. Tell us, we are your soccer therapists. We are here for you. We are here to be here for you, to listen to you. Are you upset? Are you mad? Are you upset like me, who was really hoping to get another chance to go to Audi Field? Are you just plain upset that a team can't seem to score against the worst team in the league with playing 11v9? We're here for you, and we want your calls. We want you to call in. We want you to comment. Send us questions. You can also do it through YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. We'll we'll, we'll figure out a way to, to to get to them at some point. We got our ma- our magical producer Brian in the background. So um, if you were on Twitter this afternoon, it's also known as the Love Show. Um, so if you have questions about DC United or relationships, uh, you have uh, two married guys uh, who can talk talk about those things. Exactly, exactly, my friend. We are here for whatever you want to say, man. Whatever you want to hear, we're here to <laughs> listen to it. We're here to listen to it. So in the minute, in the interim, let's uh, let's get real about how uh, how fun this was. <laughs> let's start. Let's start. Let's start with the opening part of the game. Yep. I think that's the appropriate place to start. Beginning of the game, like we normally do. Um, so the game opens up about like 15 minutes in. What about the before the game? Do we want to talk about the thing that happened before the game? Sure, we can talk about the thing that happened. The before. tifo. The tifo. Yes. Go ahead. Break, break into that. I, I'm curious. Yeah, you were live so there. I have my opinions on it, but I was live there. So uh, they they decided to. Um, block off the entire other side, the, I think West stands, um, <laughs> like 10 minutes before the game started. And we're basically not letting people into the section saying like, if you're not there 10 minutes still, don't just wait. Uh, we didn't know why at the time. And then they played the video that they were playing the back to black video on social. They played it on the screen. They had the lights flickering on and off as they do now. Um, it doesn't look as cool in the daytime as it does at nighttime, which <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> Uh, but then they had the TIFO roll out, and I, you know I tweeted about it. I was like, "This is very cool. It's cool when this team makes some sort of an effort to put on a game day experience that's pleasant and does anything beyond the bare minimum. Like, here is the soccer. You paid to watch the soccer. This is the soccer. It is now over. Please leave in an orderly fashion. Uh, this was a little. This is a little extra, a little sauce. There are some people that say TIFO is best left to the supporters. I would agree. Um, but they don't do TIFO now because it's not really possible for them to do TIFO because of the way that the, the supporters group section is set up and there's no place to store it. So that's that. I would love for them to do it, but it's just it does seemingly not in the cards. 
uh, as it was, it was cool to even in a temporary in a temporary you know fashion to have the. <laughs> the it seems very much a response to everyone being like, "Where's the history?" And they're like, "All right, well, here on a short-term basis, <laughs> for the next five minutes, here's the history. In case you were curious, here it is. We we bought giant flags with the history on it. So from that perspective, I liked it. I was happy. I was getting the jolt. I was sad because I was like, it's my last home game here if they don't win. But, oh, I'm sure they're going to win, so hmm. it'll, I'll at least have one more game. But I was I was sitting around staring at everything. I was like, I'm going to miss this particular vantage point. Uh, and and then the game happened and made me made my feelings become a lot more complicated. John, are you saying that you wish that the MLS playoffs made sense and that finishing fifth ahead of two other teams gave you at least somewhat of a hope of hosting a next league game. Is that what you're saying with that? Yeah, that would be cool <laughs> if that were the case. No, but it, no, reseeding would be cool. Yeah, it, no, but uh, it, we'll get into receding later. I, I have some thoughts on that, and I think I've expressed them, but I, I want to express them again because it's stupid. Uh, but I understand people complaining about, you know, uh, t- corporate TIFO, people complaining about, you know, a team trying to do that. But based on how this team has not, felt like they were honoring the history that they are respecting the history they've done two things so far that tell me that maybe there's something there's a change in the wind so to speak maybe there's something that's happening with this team that actually tells me that there are people there that that sort of realize the error that they made really three things one was the flow sports deal um going away which we discussed on the show um if you didn't hear the emergency podcast with quincy america who was a wonderful guest and i thought played pretty well despite the other crappiness around him um but uh it's very very nice to see this team honor like respect its history display its history in some in some capacity and really start to really you know say hey it's their way of it's their it's sort of the the media way of saying we messed up we know here, here you guys go. And I, I respect that. I respect that. And if someone wants to come and yell at me and say, oh, I'm just a shill, you know, all this stuff. I understand it. But I respect that a little bit. I respect the fact that they are trying at least something uh, to, to show the history. And it gives me hope that next season when they're doing this 25th anniversary that they're actually going to pull through on it. So, um, so yeah, so that is uh, – that's kind of how I felt about it. I think you had similar feelings about it is that the yeah. team is trying. Yeah, I like I like trying. Effort's good, uh, particularly when we can we can accuse this team so often of not having real effort. So, um, so why don't we get started about the game? Why don't yes. we get to the to the to the main event? Yes, let's get to the main event. Um, the game opens up uh, about fifteen or so minutes. Uh, in, as I would say, about fifteen minutes into the game, uh, DC United was flying. I mean, they were absolutely. Shot out of a cannon. Uh, Segura, I thought, was electric in the game. He was making, you know, tons of moves. Again, the finishing wasn't, the finished product wasn't there, which, again, is to be kind of expected uh, with the players that they had out there. There's no Wayne Rooney. Ola Kamara was on the bench. Um, the finishing product wasn't there. But overall, I was pretty positive. I was like, things are, things are heading in the, in, in, in the right direction for this team. Um, so, uh, then we get to past that, and it seemed like DC just like you put all that effort in, not to, and you don't get a result, you don't get a goal. They kind of stepped off the gas a little bit, and I thought uh, they let FC Cincy back into the game. Um, I'm curious, am I wrong in my session in sort of what I saw from the DC United provided live stream? Um, <laughs> <laughs> was I was I wrong in that in that? Um, in no, that, they started off very well. I I. I 
I believe I was talking to my wife, Nicole, about how uh, pleasant it was and how they were just going to beat the tar out of them um, based on that early that early bit. And then it was like a plug got pulled. It's like with the controller, the, the controller was disconnected. And then uh, they they were they were not finding any success anywhere around the field. I think it was after they hit the post uh, the first time. And then and then the game sort of evolved into a stalemate up until the real action uh, that occurred, uh, which was wild <laughs> and wild as hell in the last 10 minutes of the first half. Well, you have two red cards, uh, one of them in the run of play, I guess, and then another one in the in the aftermath of that upset event. Uh, it was Joe. It was Joe Gayu, right? Is it Jayu? Gayu? Uh, continuing the RFK refugees tradition of not knowing how to pronounce players' names. Jayu? Anyway, the guy who played for the national team a couple times before his knee exploded 5,000 times. Yeah. Uh, stepped on Uisi Segura on his thigh, uh, ripped his shorts open. Uh, I, was, I couldn't see from where I was seated if there was blood. There, I don't know if there was. But he looked very distraught about it. Uh, and then uh, after... They gave the red card almost immediately, right? There was no review initially for that. Yeah, yeah. They gave the red card to him. I think the I think the linesman sort of flagged over and was like, "Yeah, he did that. <laughs> yeah. That happened." Uh, flagged him, and then in the in the uh, sort of chaos that ensued afterwards, uh, Felipe in the mix got chokes choke uh, choked and pushed pushed over by was that who was that the who was the second red card? Um, was it Alache? No, it wasn't Alache. Um, it was um. Uh, I can't. I can't do. It. Someone in the chat yeah. probably is telling us right now. Uh, either way, uh, either way, there was a second red card that was uh, found in in VAR. It took about six seconds of the referee looking at VAR uh, to make the call. So that was that was at least good. And then we said, "Oh, this is great. We're gonna win by like eleven. Fantastic." Yeah. DC United scores less than maybe like it might have been the next kick of the ball on the next sort of. It, it was. Play. It, it was absolutely. It was the very. I remember this very clearly from the stream. It was very much the next, um, the next kick of the ball. Uh, so it, and and I, I I don't know how much you saw. Um, it was uh Ronald um Lama I think was the one who got the who choked grab, um, uh. Felipe, by the way. So I found that. I Google. I, I know how to use MLSsoccer.com, basically. Felipe, yeah. eminently chokeable. So if it was going to be anybody, it was likely to be him. <laughs> but exactly. this time we benefit. Yes. So that's good. Well, benefit, maybe. Well, like. we should have benefited. We benefited <laughs> in practical numbers of players on field terms. Hey, he did else. He did his responsibility, which was that's to. That's right. Was, was to... <laughs> it's a wrestling move. He's catching people. Anyway, so uh, the the goal gets chalked off or offside. Uh the players knew, I think, pretty immediately after uh, they, they celebrated and then they stood at, uh, at, at midfield and then they, the referee signaled for VAR. And then the players sort of started moving towards the other end of the field, knowing already that, like, this was not going to happen. So that was a bummer. That was at, like that was about 40, 44 minutes, 43 minutes. Yeah. We go into halftime. Uh, scores even. I think everyone feels pretty confident. Like, all right, well, now we've got a whole. Well, we got score. We got score one. We just got score one. Cincinnati's not scoring. They got nine men. They're just gonna they're just gonna sit back. But we've got we've got all our tools in place here. We're gonna be good. And then somehow it didn't happen like that. No. Somehow that's not what occurred in the second half. No, not at all. Um, not at all. It it was it was strange. It was very very strange. Um, it it, it was like I mean to be fair, you knew what was gonna happen. Um, and, and by the way, about the the 
the Alyssa Segura goal. I, I will say there, I have seen goals. It was very, very close for him being. Was he offside? Probably. It was off. I mean, probably he was offside. But I have seen VAR go and not allow or not give goals um, for calls that were less close than that. Um, that was really close because it, sort of the 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 Cincinnati leg was sort of extended a little bit, and so um, I thought it was very very close. So, but anyway, beside the point. Team should have still done the job. Um, it, it it was incredibly frustrating to watch this team against nine men. And, you know, Cincinnati, they knew exactly what their game plan was. At halftime, I'm sure they went to halftime. I think they got, I think if this had happened, you know, after the second half, you know, maybe with about 20 minutes in, we might be looking at a different scenario because it's very sort of shocking when you're, when you're, when you're a player on a team and suddenly, uh, suddenly things are flying very, very quickly at you and, and you don't really know and things like that. You don't have a halftime to really gather yourself, organize yourself. You know, the coach, you know, giving a long time talk saying, oh, this is how it's going to be. Um, you know, and I, I think those those two minutes they sort of survived without giving up a goal were very beneficial for them because they got to regroup and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to pack the box. We are going to not allow DC to do anything, to move the ball with anything, and we are going to tell them, if you want to beat us, you have to dribble through us, or you're going to have to get a lucky cross and and, and find the net. And they got, uh, I think, about two clear-cut opportunities, um, which in a normal game is probably pretty good. But in a game, you know, where, you know, in a game where you're up by two men, you expect a lot more. You expect a heck of a lot more. So I, it was very frustrating in the second half because watch this team just sort of pass the ball around the box. I, I remember I saw Russell Knauss hit a long drive, and I'm like, what are you doing? You guys need to, the amount of time you're wasting trying to get crosses in, the amount of time you're trying to actually force balls around the other side, you are wasting opportunities that you guys could, you know, those opportunities are being wasted because you're not actually going at Cincinnati, attempting to dribble at them. Even Ben Olsen seemed to be getting that idea. He puts in Leonardo Hara and Lucho Acosta who are players who dribble at opponents, who go at opponents, and they just refuse to do so. I know Lucho had probably the best opportunity off a header, and I know that's what you're going to bring up, John, but he didn't do it for me. He didn't. I'm sorry. He was completely useless other than that opportunity, which didn't go in the back of the net. If it goes in the back of the net, we're having a different story. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, I said on Twitter that Lucho is a rusty knife at this point. Uh, he, (laughs) He had a bad season, and then he stopped playing entirely. Uh, and then go figure when he's put on the field in a must must win score situation, he doesn't have any sort of level of connectivity with some of the players, including Ola Kamara, who he's played on the field with, I imagine, like 10 minutes uh, since he's been brought on. And there were a number of times Kamara was making very early runs across the two center backs with the ball not even past midfield yet. Uh, and he was trying to encourage long early balls over the top that he could go chase and no one was giving them to him. Because our team doesn't do that at all, and that apparently Ola has was not aware of that, <laughs> and was not was not told that no 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 we don't do that we <laughs> dribble the ball we dribble the ball up and then we do nothing with it that's really our style, uh, yeah I mean I I think sort of to get sort of at the root of the the conversation here, what is uh, we both talked about it where does the the root blame of this situation fall 
we have the lineup. The one con- the one concern I think people said, why didn't we start Kamara? Kamara should have started. He's much better than uh, Quincy at getting these goals. I think we know for sure that Kamara is not fit to start or even to go a long period of game. I think he played 20 minutes. I think that's about what his what he can do at this moment without really getting injured, particularly, you know, the game before the playoffs where they really got to make sure that they have him. They're going to be sure to not uh, put any player that's uh, integral to success in a position where they might hurt themselves. I think that Ben said, I don't really even have a choice, but even if I did, I think the rest of this team will do the job. We don't need to score a bunch of goals. This is a very bad team. I think the team I'm throwing out here should do the business. They didn't. They didn't do the business, and he recognized that very early in the second half. And for all of the complaints about him not making early subs, he made all three of his subs before the 70th minute. Yep. He, rec- he saw what he saw what what was going on. He was not blind to it. Now, I don't believe, you know, I do not believe at halftime Ben said, all right, I think what you guys should do is dribble the ball to the edge of the 18 and then cross the ball on to the back post over and over and over again against the tallest center backs in, in MLS. Also, I think you should, everyone should shoot the ball from outside the 18 Fred Briant. I really want you to shoot uh, Russell Canals. Please shoot um, from far away. You've scored a lot of goals doing yeah. that really into that. <laughs> I, I just, I cannot imagine that to be the case. There are people that seem to think that Ben Olsen drew that plan up. And then also that once it started to happen, Ben should have, I don't know, ran on the field and kicked everybody and told them to stop doing that. I mean, you can do what you can do. I think that the players were not prepared. were not prepared for a bunkering FC Cincinnati to that degree. Cause they were not anticipating. We're definitely gonna have a two man advantage in this game where they're not going to yeah. be interested in scoring at all. Uh, and then we're going to have to, so let's now, prepare for what that looks like now. Now to play, to play the devil devil's advocate a little bit, you would hope. And you know, again, the problem the only problem I have is trying to judge coaches and managers is extremely hard if you're trying to be fair because it's extremely hard to know what goes on behind the scenes. There wasn't a live mic. I don't have any insight into what went on in, in the Benelson's locker room and what he said to the teams. You would have hoped that he you know, impressed upon the idea that we need to dribble through them. We know we need to press them. We need to do this and this. But at the end of the day, it, I think the problem was, was that it was like no one wanted. I feel like they entered that nine men and now it's like it, it, they almost entered a little scared. It was like we don't want to give up a goal. We don't want to give something up. And they didn't have that sort of and no one out there was willing to make that sort of that risky pass with the idea that maybe it turns into a breakaway the other way. And then, oh, God, you've given up a goal to nine men. And, you know, maybe, you know, again, maybe you can you can you can link certain things maybe to coaching. I'm not willing to go that far with this game because of the work that Olsen did before this game and how he sort of got this team brought them back around and got them committed and and set them up where they could have at least hosted a game. Now I look at the players and I say, you know, you guys should have realized that, you know, you trying three, seven balls over the top. And I think the Acosta one kind of made this, oh, look, that worked. Let, let's do, let's keep doing that. Let's try that again. And by then it's the 85th minute. And then they're like, oh, Jesus Christ, we're about to tie to a team and miss out on a home game potentially. I mean, I hope, you know, if I'm a coach, I don't want my team knowing anything. I want them to go out and win that game. But um, it, it, looking at, you know, not winning that, not winning that game, uh, that's kind of the, 
the I guess the sentiment sort of I got was like the team just sort of played scared like it was very much like it was against them to sort of go at them and then when they tried to actually you know pass the ball make that risky pass they generated a couple good opportunities I think the other shot came from when they actually tried to work it in and Ariola got an opportunity and took a shot so it was it was very frustrating to watch it was an incredibly frustrating game to watch on all on all fronts, on all fronts, really. Um, by the way, people, please call in 202-905-0454. Call into the show. Let yeah, it's not know. like you don't have anything to say about this. Yeah, come on, my, you my got, Twitter ads. You guys are blowing up our Twitter, and none of y'all are calling in. So and the Discord too. By the way, thank you for joining that. We do have a Discord. We'll, we'll throw the <laughs> link up on there. It was it was popping after the last game. We're gonna try to get more people to use it because I think it's more effective than Twitter. And also, I can give you stream of consciousness bad takes like with no uh, forethought, and then uh, you can hold them to hold me to them later after I've had the chance to reconsider them, which is usually how this happens. But uh, so overall, I think the other thing that's funny too, I think we're getting painted with a brush here, Ted, that we are basically saying this is not Ben, this is not Ben Olson necessarily. Uh, the outcome of this is not Ben Olsen. But we also said numerous times that if Ben doesn't advance past the playoffs or advance past the first round of the playoffs, or even still, we're still fine with him going. So I don't think that's changed. We're no longer we're we're, we're not saying please give Ben Olsen a three year contract because we've stopped allowing goals for the last five. I mean, that's awesome. The defense has really tightened up and that's awesome. However, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we're we're sold on him going forward. I think we all admit that a change needs to happen. Also, we all admit that there's going to be a major retooling uh, in this offseason. and it makes sense to have a new a new uh, regime in place to find out where we're going to go with it. And but it's, it's, all it's, that said, all, it, I just want to say, and all that all that said, like that hasn't changed. I just think that what happened last night, what happened yesterday afternoon, is an indictment on players that. You know, you, you throw the ball out there at a certain point and you say, soccer is not a, re- we don't have set plays uh, in open play. We're not, it's not regimented. I'm not, formation seven, <laughs> make sure you do the hook, hook, and, hook and ladder route and head it. That's not happening. And these players were given the opportunity. They were said, all right, go forward, score. Cincinnati is not countering you. Um, you I mean, we have to have like a nominal defense to, 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 be, to, to make sure they don't score on us. But go out there, score. Do what you got to do. I, I threw in all the players that I could potentially do this with. And they didn't. So it was the players in my mind. All right, we have a uh, Curion. I hope I got that right um, on the line uh, talking. Did I get that right? Probably not. Probably not. That's <laughs> uh, it, okay. It's a hard one. It's uh, key. okay. Well, go ahead, man. What What do you got to say? Uh, well, first off, uh, first time, long time. So, I uh, <laughs> just want to thank you guys for everything you do. You're always a great listen. Um, I'm a podcaster too. I'm. I started up a podcast following the new pro rugby team in DC. Old Glory. So, Plug it. What's uh, the name of it? You know, take a lot from you guys. Thanks. What's the What's the name um, of the podcast? Oh, it's called the National Mall. Uh, Mall spelled M A U L. Nice. Uh, and old the team's name is Old Glory DC, and they're going to be playing their home games at uh, Cardinal Stadium in DC, and they'll have games at pretty much every Saturday um, there, and obviously away, uh, you should be able to catch all the away action on ESPN plus, because that's what major league rugby, which is the league has a deal with. So if you guys are new to rugby, if you haven't watched it before, I highly suggest you check it out. Obviously there's a lot of like crossover in the fandom and culture with rugby and soccer. So yeah, yeah. Support your local rugby team. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, getting to the game, DC United. I I was there the other night, and you know, was looking forward to a good way to end the season. And come, you guys nailed it. Coming into halftime, I could feel it in this first section. Everybody was like, "All right, it's time. Let's see some goals." And you're going up against what is possibly the worst defense in North American professional soccer, <laughs> and you can't put a goal in against nine men. You know, it's it's embarrassing, and I just think that if anybody thinks this team is going to go up to Toronto and pull out a win, I think you're fooling yourselves. I mean, that's a hard place to play. It's October in Canada. It's colder than it is here. They haven't played anywhere where it's going to be as cold as it's going to be up there. Um, you know, their fans are behind them, and they've got some quality players, and including national team players on their team. So, you know, I, I, I just don't see if they don't have the heart to go and get in against – the worst team in MLS and how do you think they're going to pull it off up there? Um, after the game, you know, Ben Olsen came up to the supporter section. He was, you know, clapping everybody, even, you know, thanking the fans, I guess. But a lot of the ultras were yelling, you know, Olsen out. Everybody was angry at him. People were, were throwing middle fingers at him. And, I, and I, you know, I don't blame him. It was a, it was a terrible result. Um, the way we're playing, it's not attractive soccer, and obviously at this point in the season, the objective is win, regardless of how it looks. But, you know, it's not good for the fans. It's not good for the product, which this is still a business. This is still an entertainment product, and what's happening is, you know, not good soccer, you know, strategically, nor is it good soccer to watch. So, you know, it's it's really disappointing, especially for the last home game at Audi Field, what could possibly be Bill Hamid's last game at Audi Field, period, and also would be the last time anybody would see Wayne Rooney in D.C. And no no special send-off for him, nothing like that, you know. So I was kind of disappointed with not just, you know, the soccer on the field, but the experience, Ben Olsen. You know, for me, he is a club legend, you know, as a player and as a coach. Fifteen years, and we've got one Open Cup trophy to show for it after four championships in the early years. And I understand it's a very different league now, but – any professional sport, you don't see head coaches, managers get 15 years of time without producing a trophy. Um, it's kind of unheard of. So to see that with Ben Olsen is, it, it, you know, it's it's disheartening as a fan because you feel like this team, it, it, the ownership of this team, most importantly, the front office, isn't as concerned with winning as they are concerned with selling an entertainment product. But then after the debacle with Flo and then all this mismanagement of uh, Wayne Rooney, not just as a character, but as a um, as a, uh, a a treat for the media and for the fans, as something to draw eyes to the club and the game. You kind of wonder, like, well, do they even care about producing a quality entertainment product too? So it's you know, a- after everything, I think I'm just down on all things Olsen in, Olsen out, whatever. I mean, I'm 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 worried about the direction of this team after Olsen. I'm worried about the the direction of this team in general. It's kind of an existential dread yep. that I'm feeling right now. I think I that's the real, guys. I think that's the, the, the connoisseur's direction for this. I think talking about Olsen in Olsen out is, uh, is incredibly missing the point uh, of what actually needs to happen. If the team at the level of investment stays at where it's at, you can, you, your your the playoffs are acceptable and you'd want that we're we'll never be favored for top of the league the way we thought we were at the beginning of the year i think that's just the way that goes and then the question is uh how how much money does this team have to invest going forward 
And does this team prioritize? What does the team prioritize? What does the front office prioritize as far as, like you said, the product in the field? Is it winning? Is it filled seats? If it's filled seats, are we going to see another Wayne Rooney? Uh, you know, out, output be damned. Is it going to be, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are going to happen to this team that have nothing to do with Ben Olsen and have, and have very little to do with who they choose as his replacement. It's a lot of other things that need to, that come into play. Certainly it, it's a, it's a, it's a something that has to be resolved and will be. I think that, I think that most people think that there will be a change barring a miracle, uh, which I don't think anyone's counting on, uh, in the next month and a half, but, uh, yeah, I, I go ahead, Ted. I'm I'm just gonna say, and a lot of people bring up, it, I I choose to judge Ben Olson based on summer of 2017 through today. I I refuse to judge him based on a team that was essentially run very very cheaply. If if you look at some of the mid table English sides, you know the the sides that don't have a lot of the funds and a lot of the money. And you look at like you know a mid-table finish and maybe making the maybe playing above yourself a little bit and making the Europa League at one point or making a run there, you would be considered a successful you know venture. Maybe even going and winning and winning an FA Cup. Um, in, in that sense, you would still deem that a pretty successful manager. And there are managers that are able to do that. I, I just I people bring up you know oh, he's been here ten years and I said yeah but he was dealing in a league that he had no budget whatsoever he had to hit every single one of his transfers in order to have a successful season every single one had to be at least somewhat of a hit somewhat of a hit and and that's sort of where I come where I sort of come from is the perspective that the perspective that you know. He was dealing with such a bad financial financial straits. Really, now is the time where we get to judge him. Um, should DC go the other way? I think I'm going to hold my opinion to how he does in this playoff run. I think he has done something where maybe this team can't break down a team that's just going to bunker in and set in. It's as disappointing as that is, and it's disappointing. Don't get me wrong. This is disappointing. It's no excuse not why you can't score against nine men. But I'm willing yeah. to say that this team is at least set up where a team like you know like TFC that's going to come at them with high end talent. Now you add Rooney to the picture. There's still a way you can see this team making a run because basically they just you have to play almost in a sense with this new knockout system. You just have to play not to lose in a certain sense. Like this, and this team is built almost We're not good to at lose. that. They're very good <laughs> that's at all that. We can do. Yeah, and, and, and then we're, you know, maybe hoping for a shootout win or something like that. And Bill Hamid's gotten a little bit better at penalties now. He looks a little bit more confident um, at penalties. But And I think also, you know, there, there's, I mean, really for the team, there's no expectations at this point. And D.C. has a weird thing when, like, there's no expectations. Suddenly they, pay, they play looser, they play better. Um, I'm, the Washington Capitals, I don't know, I'm, I'm drawing, like, Weird and weird sort of psychological, you know, analogies. But this is how I feel about certain DC teams and stuff like that. So, um, can I can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Yeah. Oh, so what do you think is the minimum that Ben Olsen would have to accomplish in the playoffs this year? This year, order to retain his job. Conference finals. Yeah, I would say conference finals would would have to be it. Um, I, I that'd don't be three wins. That'd be three. That'd be three wins in the playoffs, right? 
Yeah, that that would two wins, two wins, two wins, two wins. They would have to win in Toronto and then in New York um, would be the would be the pathway towards that, and then potentially hosting a game if you know either one of the Red Bulls or New England can upset right. Uh, Philly right now. Which I mean, don't put that out of the equation. I mean this this playoffs by the way is going to be nuts. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be crazy results because it's going to be a one off game. Um, and to be fair, DC has done pretty well on the road. So that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say on that. I believe that. we're the best. What's that? I believe we're the third best road team in yeah. MLS. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. no no time like no time like the present. Um, thanks so much for calling in, man. Uh, anything else you want to add before we before we let you go? Uh, no. Uh, well, yeah, thank you guys. Um, uh, appreciate you giving me the chance to plug my pod if uh, just Absolutely. Support any any DC fans out there, you know, if you can get out to a rugby game, support, you know, the growth of the game. It's a good sport, and anything we can do to take people away from uh, the NFL, uh, almost certain brain damage would be great. So yeah, come support the Ruggers. <laughs> All right, thanks so much, man, for calling in. And they won't be tearing up the field. They won't be tearing up the field at Audi Field. So. Yes. <laughs> we can we can support that. Uh, there was a question from Jonathan on YouTube saying Rooney was in New York City watching boxing on Saturday night. Was he even at Audi? On Twitter, I saw that he was in one of the boxes with uh, Briant's family. So yes, he was there. I wish that he was in the stands with the drums, uh, but that was never going to be Wayne Rooney. I no. guess I think we probably we probably we hoped against hope there, but I think probably never was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, I I do think there's one point that 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 our caller just made that made uh that did did i didn't even realize it till now until he said it but i mean maybe there should have been what what would you say if the team had come out and said we are going to we're going to honor rooney tonight what kind of message do you think that would have sent or do you think there would have been any sort of was there hope it would be a playoff game was there you know what kind of message would that have sent? Because I, I think, you know, that's a fair point. You know, I think maybe he deserved to have, uh, to have an honoring. I, and, and, and Brian, our producer, by the way, is asking, is he worth an honoring? I think he is. I mean, he came here and gave us, I mean, at the very least, he gave us a moment last year. He's given us moments this year. He is worth, it's worth honoring him in some capacity to thank him for coming here and to thank him for really getting some life back in this team. Um, I think he's definitely worth honoring. John, would you agree or would you not agree? I don't think I would have done that. You don't think so? I don't. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's. I think he has a. I think he has a complicated legacy, at least immediately. I think there's still sort of hurt feelings and some for some people about the way this all went down, and the fact that there's still games to go, even though it won't be an Audi Field. I. I I'm, I'm not. I don't begrudge. I begrudge them of many, many things. About the way that they present the game, uh, I, I don't really this. I, I hadn't even thought of that until he brought it up. Yeah, and that's something I didn't even think about either because I'm I'm still thinking. Uh, you know, even then I'm just I'm still so just mad at the performance and he wasn't on the field, so I can't even I can't even. He's literally the only person who emerges blameless from. Well, does he? Because he because he got the yellow card in New York and he should know better. And that was kind of a a, a worthless yellow card though. They were trying to. Hold, a, I don't know. I, I I'm conflicted on that one whether to blame him. I do sort of blame him. I wonder if he if he's out there. I think he figures out a way. He's the type of guy when he's standing over that free kick. And by the way, the free kick service was horrible for yeah, DC bad. The and you could definitely tell they missed him. Um, in that regard. So in a way, he's still. It's like every player, every player, and it, even Ben Olsen deserves a little blame for this game. 
I mean, he's still the coach out there. Do I think it's a fireable offense for him? No, but do I think it's going to add to his sort of repertoire of firing? And I'm very surprised. You said you were Olsen in entirely. Are you changing sides right now? You brought, oh, yeah. you brought me back. You brought me back into the Olsen <laughs> in, and then now you're like, no, nah, never mind. I was never really Olsen in. I'm, no, I'm not I calling mean, you out right I, here. I mean, as long as he wants to uh, to to put his arm around me on the concourse, it'll buy him some more. I'm I I forget who what the caller who we were talking to. I am I am a a romantic at heart. So if there's an opportunity there for me to and like I was in my feelings when they were doing the whole thing, but the pregame thing, and I'm just like I just love this team, man. I just love everything about. I love this community. I love these fans. And then and I'm like Ben, I can't I can't be mad yeah. Ben. And then I watch this game. I'm like, well, I mean, I I can find a new Ben. We can we can <laughs> we can move on from this if we have to. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to see something different. It, provided there's a a, a plan. If yeah. There's, if they're saying that this is going to take a few years to say, if they say our plan is to compete for MLS Cups. And we're not just saying that because everyone says that teams that finish last, Cincinnati will say next year our plan is to win uh, the cup, win MLS Cup. If they say it's going to take two years or three years, we've got a level of investment that we're going to kick up after we get our, you know, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. And then at this point, we'll be ready to go. We're bringing in a coach that has a vision, a strategic uh, way he likes to do things, a type of player he likes to find. We have promised attractive soccer. Then let's do it. Let's, let's, let's do this thing. I think that the fact that they said that they're going to freeze pricing says – Maybe that's what maybe that's what's going to happen. Uh, I just I just want that to be laid out. I don't want us to try to read tea leaves. I want it to be straightforward as this is what we're going to do. And it's going to take this long, and we want you to support it. So ask us questions. That's what I. That would be my dream. Yeah, and and you know, and, and to be clear, I am I am in the. I, I feel the work he did it, sort of in that in this stretch where he took this team around. That, that is a skill that a lot of coaches out there don't have. They can be the smartest, most tactician. Brad Friedel is is an is probably a very smart guy when it comes to soccer. He's a student of the game. He's um, he's very much uh, he's he's very much you know a smart guy. But he has no tactical sense of how to manage and act, manage players and manage and manage people. And that's a very, very tough skill. You know, if you're a manager of a company, if you're anything, it's a very difficult skill to have. And what really sort of amazes me about him is his ability when this season was just flying off the rails. And it's almost like a sense of like, I don't want to lose a guy like that because then we're getting in some, we might get in a Brad Friedel who this, the the season now, which by the way, got a lot less bleak when we're bringing back guys like Emil Assad. We have Ola Kamara now up top. So we have, we have a, there, this team is, is not necessarily, in my opinion, starting from scratch. Every, you know, there's a lot of guys they're going to have, you know, some guys they're going to bring back. Some guys aren't going to be here. I think after last performance, I'm done with uh, Leonardo Hara. He he has been the fastest uh, boom-bust player I think we've had. I think everybody loved him in the beginning of the year. Towards the end of the year, in this game when we needed him, uh, he was even worse than Acosta. At least Acosta looked like he still cared and still wanted to be out there. Um, I can't remember anything significant that Leonardo Hara did in this game at all. He did nothing. And, and, and he, I'm done with him. Go back. You want to be back in Boca? Go back to Boca. Done with you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're gonna feel about him coming back after the season. Um, they felt kind of mixed about. Uh, uh, he might be back to go on the bench, but yeah, I, you know, 
he didn't do that well. I I have feelings about how Lucho did. Uh, he was not sharp. He had two chances to score. He did not execute in either of them. He had a chance to score in the last like last kick of the ball. He did not execute. Um, I wanted it. I wanted it more than anybody else, except for maybe him and maybe his family. Uh, and it didn't. It did not work out for him. But I mean, no one. No one did. This is a game that no one covered themselves in glory. I'm trying to think of who, um, you know, who would get a rating above a five or six. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. I'm trying to think back, and I don't really recall a lot of after the first 15 minutes. No one was really positive the whole way through. Um, Ariola was rough. The whole team was rough. Toronto awaits. Yeah. For this team, <laughs> this this uh, this team that. I, you know, I honestly, and I said it on Twitter, and you and you alluded to it. This team does its best against with its back against the wall. They're going in. They're not going to be favored at all. They're in a hostile environment. It's cold, probably. I don't know. Maybe it's cold in Toronto. Uh, I, it's. I think the stage is set for them to to confound expectations. This team sucks when they think everyone thinks they're going to do well. That's been proven now for two years, for a year and a half. We do not do well with expectations. We do much better when we fly under the radar. By the way, um, uh, we want to get to a Twitter comment, um, which will, I mean, sorry, a YouTube comment, which we'll take. Uh, we'll definitely take those questions. But Jesse, please call in as well. Um, Jesse, Kamara up top with TT at the number 10 is the answer. Uh, I don't know if I'm convinced about that yet. I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm not necessarily. I don't nope. know. If I'm not, I, 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 this is, I, I go back and forth on a TT more than any other player I think I've had. Um, it, it is, kind of he shows games that are great and then he has games like this where I was just like you could have been better and you could have won this game for us and I go back and forth on him maybe a magical playoff run will change my mind but I think at this point he is competing with um uh with Emil Assad for the uh for that left wing spot um because Ariola has a lock on that and he's going to be competing for that if they choose to sign him back and I think even if they sign him back, I don't know if you necessarily want this team spending all the money. Who knows what the collective bargaining agreement is going to look like with this? I mean, there's so many things about this league that we're just assuming right now. But who knows how this whole uh, collective uh, bargaining agreement is going to go? Um, Agnes Long says, "Would Fisher slot into the right back role next season, or do we try a Canals thing out for the long run?" Ooh, good question. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think Fish, Fisher Fisher's a long project. That's going to take a couple sub appearances because he hasn't played. He, I mean, he's coming back from a serious injury. I don't even know if he's back next. I mean, is he back next year? He'll be back next year. Okay. If he's fit, if he's if he if they'll give him preseason. I think he's under contract. They I think they sign him to another extension so that he could rehab and be available to play. Um, I think that I don't think Canals is a permanent right back. I think this was a this was a. A monkey wrench situation trying to figure out knowing that Leo Hara can't play right back for the team apparently uh, and for lack of other options I think that's why Canals Canal is eager I think to get back to midfield I think that's where he thinks he is a be- can contribute more and where he sees himself in the future and with the national team um, so yeah I, I think Fisher if not Fisher it'll be we'll see more players added I don't think um, Adoy Atsum and O'Neill Fisher are somewhat um, fighting for the same spot. I think that there's certainly the, the team will give uh, Adoyatsum an opportunity to continue to work his way back with Loudon, but they will be assessing him, I think, with much colder calculus in 2020 than they were this year. Um, you know, everybody wants that the, the comeback story to be there. 
But if you follow sports, you know that it's a business and that that comeback story got him to here and 2020. It'll be it'll be what do you got, kid? Uh, where you at now? Uh, and then we'll we'll see from we'll see from there. Yeah. And, and, and the real the real, I guess, wrench in the in the plan is going to be so much. I mean, it, this isn't like the NFL where you have those, you know, when they have like a strike or everything like that, they're not changing really how the league operates. It's more about revenue share and stuff like that. In a lot of ways, MLS collective bargaining agreements aren't like that. They're very much, I mean, free agency, it's very much, you know, about, I remember one, there was one transfer window when a lot of GMs just assumed they were going to raise the salary cap. They were going to make it easier to sign players and so a lot of managers went into that collective bargaining agreement assuming that. Turns out the players just really wanted free agency and they didn't get really that big of an increase. So a lot of GMs were scrambling. So and, and DC's always kind of played it kind of cautious when it comes to this. You know, they're making moves like Kamara, guys they know that they can sign and bring in. Um so that's going to be the real thing to watch this season. And, I, and we might we might do some segments about that because um you know, I asked I asked uh, I asked Quincy a little bit about that. Um it does seem like the players are very much focused on things like charter flights, very much quality of life type improvements, you know, to, to game day experiences and things. I think that should happen um, for sure. So um, a very interesting discussion with him. Definitely go listen to the interview. A lot of it is still very much relevant. We do talk a little bit about the game that we just saw, but, um, but yeah. I've been trying to boost that. I've been trying to boost that, uh, that episode on Facebook for four days and it's been in review. So it's very good that I didn't want to make that timely at all. Uh, and that there was, <laughs> I didn't want to make sure that that got a uh, publicity very close to when it actually occurred. Thanks, Facebook. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yep. Hey, don't we have a listener that works at Facebook, or we used to have a listener that works at Facebook? Do we? I know I sent, a, I know I sent a sticker out to to that area. If you still listen to the show, friend, uh, holler at your boy so I can figure out what I should be doing with this ad with this ad situation. Yeah. Direct, direct, go directly to the source. Yes, directly so, to the source. <laughs> so. uh you know, where do we go from here? What's uh, Toronto is in is it uh, is it in two weeks? Two weeks time. So there's there's a long break, and we'll we'll try. I'll try my best to see if we can get a guest on to talk a little bit of Toronto. Um, I, I was kind of I had the Toronto Columbus game and the um and both the Montreal and and New York Red Bulls game on kind of because I had the game on the DC game on my laptop and I had the other ones kind of you know I was doing the whip around show I was kind of doing everything and by the way one team that absolutely got their business done was FC Dallas they saw a bad team in Sporting Kansas City it's probably the only time they'll play a really bad Sporting Kansas City team absolutely pasted them so if you want to watch like a what what should have happened um with DC then go watch that game because uh FC Dallas just absolutely took uh took Sporting Kansas City to the woodshed um but uh in the Toronto Columbus game uh I Columbus you know pressed them pretty hard they had a couple opportunities to actually take a lead and completely bail out DC um they had a couple shot I think it was at least one shot that went off the post um but Pozuelo gets a gets a free kick and this is an example of a Toronto player getting the job done, a, a big time player, a guy you put in games to get you results, and he got a result for DC. Uh, Lucho Acosta, Paul Ariola, uh, Rooney suspended. Um, none of those guys for DC wanted to be that difference maker and get the job done. Um, entering this game, there is a little bit of uh, of injury intrigue, um, so to speak. Uh, Josie Altador. 
um, went down with a uh, apparent ankle injury um, and or is an either knee or ankle. I can't remember which. Um, uh, apparently he's, he, he was called up for the national team, but it's unclear whether he'll make that trip. I think they're waiting for an MRI. So that's kind of the interesting to watch because I mean, if Josie Altidore is not there, maybe you know that that's that's one less you know tooth that uh, that Toronto FC has. Of course, Nick Dalion uh, will be probably out there. He probably will sub in for Josie Altidore. Maybe play his way a little higher. Um, but it's going to be uh, this is going to be a, a tough game. Um, Toronto FC is still a very very tough team. Um, I, I think they're very beatable. They are not as, I mean, they even struggled to beat Columbus who are probably, if it weren't for FC Cincinnati, we'd be talking about how awful they are. So, um, it's going to be a tough game. Again, DC does well on the road. They're built not to lose. My prediction is that this game is going to come down to a penalty kick of some sort. Um, a, a penalty shootout potentially. It could this game could be zero zero, and DC could advance on a penalty shootout, or Toronto could advance on a penalty shootout. That is a incredibly likely scenario based on how these two teams are playing. Nick DeLeon will come up in the penalty shootout for Toronto, and then hit it over the bar just to, just to restore balance to the universe. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the likely outcome. DC advances. That's that would be my prediction. <laughs> and in a way, so this is potentially a better matchup in that first round than and really DC has a path where you can argue the teams they played. So if you look at the the bulk of games they played since they changed the formation, they played Montreal, they played um, Seattle, they played. New York, and then they played Cincinnati. So a matchup against New York would probably actually not be very beneficial to them. And that's probably what would have happened. Well, actually, I guess they would have had Toronto at home. Never mind. Throw throw that out the the door. Um, But it's almost a better scenario because Toronto has not faced this sort of new look lineup for D.C., Um, And, you know, you can do all the preparation. I mean, it's going to come down to can Greg Vanny get this team prepared or, you know, because you you instinctively know what you got. You play them twice out of the season. You get yourself into that mindset. So I think it's it's a chance to play a team that has not had it that has not had a chance to really experience this lineup. And in a way, they're facing kind of a similar style of play to the way Seattle plays. And D.C. very much dominated them in a game that that they were not prepared to dominate. And they could be without one of their star players in Josie Altidore. So I'm not as negative on this game, this game in particular. Next week, uh, if they do advance, the next game against New York City, not as confident. Uh, especially, I mean, if it's at City Field or Yankee Stadium, depending on how the Yankees do. John, I will trust you to do that, um, to do that for me, to keep up with that baseball because I, I, I can't. So, do what? Keep up with the baseball? Yes, keep up with the baseball. Let me know how the Yankees are doing. Oh, they're doing good. I think they're going to sweep uh, Minnesota. <laughs> okay, well, so that probably means I think that means the game is going to have to be, or is it? I forget the scenarios, but they have to advance like. To either the World Series or like the at least the 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 um champion the, the ALCS yeah they might. whatever y'all call it I don't know they they might they're doing well also uh, for those of you who are listening to this podcast and not watching the Nats game the Nats are up six uh, one but the bases are loaded uh, with with one out so it could get weird here pretty quickly okay well I'm gonna have to watch that game that All will right. that will that will uh, really be relevant as people listen to this podcast tomorrow <laughs> the game but will already be no. over the game will already be over. That know point. that at 9.21 p.m., that was what was going on. Um, we have more YouTube questions. Go. You, YouTube, Jesse Leifert. How about the young kids that DC United signed? When do we see them on the field? Good question. So we've got 
we're talking about two players here principally, maybe three if you're talking about Bustamante, uh, but that seems more like a long-term project and a, and a maybe. Uh, you got Griffin Yao and Moses Nyman, who signed his contract last year. So the good thing about Moses is that I was banging on Twitter about the team. The thing that this team needs most desperately is a player that can get past people on the dribble uh, and, and and allow another forward to move in uh, and then play that pass in. Nyman has done that for Loudon. He's 15. He's about four foot three and seven pounds. So that will be a problem. If you remember Franco Niel uh, from the the Halcyon days of DC United. I think they might be similarly sized. Uh, so that's that's a that's a situation, something that will change as he gets older, clearly. Both he and Griffin need to get on the uh, the muscle milk and uh, like 50-piece nugget from McDonald's campaign, like I did when I was their age, to bulk up. Uh, but they, uh, yeah, I think that, I think that probably, depending, like, I think it depends on the build-out, right? If, if we're looking at a longer-term plan, like I hope they are, um, they, I think Griffin will probably get some opportunities next year. You know, five or I think that they they like to they'll probably follow the the Chris Durkin strategy, which I think Griffin probably got in four or five games this year, maybe maybe more than that. I'm not sure, but I think he started one game uh, on the road. It did not go well, and then he got a lot of the substitute appearances, and then they put him in Loudon for the rest of the year. Uh, I think that he will get more opportunities next year. I think. Um, Moses will get that that sort of the Griffin Yao opportunities, maybe like a spot start, maybe an open cup opportunity, um, maybe some some sub sub off the bench, depending on how the season goes. And then looking for him to really make an impact as he grows older and, and gets a little bit bigger so that he can uh, adjust to the size and speed of MLS. And, and I think guess. It, it, the real important thing, the real important thing about this is, is this is going to be the first real test of the Loudoun United system being sort of that pathway to pro. Um, are we going to be, can we be the New York Red Bulls and literally bring guys up in this system and and have them compete in games, go out against a Chelsea side and, and win games? Or is this going to be more of a longer term project? Um, or is it going to go the wayside of a lot? A lot of these USL teams um if you really look at it, um, some of them have produced some players. There was kind of like this early success. Dom Dwyer is like the poster child for um, for Orlando City. Um, he showed up well in the championship and, and supporting Kansas City immediately. Uh, what was USL League Two? Uh, and then Kansas City really brought him in um, and said, "You're a good player. We're gonna we're gonna give you more opportunities." Uh, but there are a lot of been a lot of duds and. In reality, New York Red Bulls have been only the only team to really find that sort of secret sauce. I don't think any other team has really been able to 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 bear any fruit from that, and to and the way the quickness and the efficiency at which the Red Bulls did it um, was very impressive. Um, so that's the ultimate discussion. I think you know Moses and and Griffin Yao are kind of the two test subjects, so to speak, for this. Um, they are the guys where if they come out successful then you know we know things are going well and we know that this this championship and, and that the system is being put in correctly Ryan Martin is doing his job at, at developing those players uh if it turns into you know what Orlando City B is which is uh, if you watch them play the Richmond Kickers uh, on Saturday, like I did, you see that segue, John. That was impressive. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they were terrible. Uh, they were awful. They let the Richmond Kickers, without Joe Gallardo, probably one of their best attacking players, absolutely run over them. 
Um, I'm not sure what their next uh, what their next moves are, um, and they're they're an absolute trash fire as an organization. Uh, they just fired their coach too, so uh, I think Moses and both Moses and Griffin are kind of those test cases as to whether they can be whether DC can actually build a successful pipeline. Yeah, there. I, I was looking through the list of homegrowns. There have been a lot more that have hit than than I assumed. Um, Kellen Acosta. Uh, uh, George Bella has sort of been the cautionary tale. I think people thought he was going to, I think he's been in, in, in starts and bits at, with Atlanta, very compelling. And then he got injured. Uh, Gianlu- Gian- Gianluca Busio for supporting Kansas city. Uh, I think I has five or six goals this year. There's this Reggie cannon. So there are, there are players that came through, you know, FC Dallas was killing it for a yeah, while. And, and I'm, I've said FC Dallas is probably the other sort of team yeah. that really got it right. And they, they built themselves from a big foundation, so that you are correct. F- FC Dallas and North Texas have kind of built that success, and they've done a very good job of it. So, uh, but there are a lot of other teams. Uh, Bethlehem Steel. Um, I don't think Portland's really had all that much, and Seattle too. And they're and they're you know big time clubs, yep. um, and they really and I mean look at uh, I think Kansas City just, they just either shut down their team or. They're figuring out what they want to do with their team. Swill Park? Yeah, Swill Park. Oh, they're renaming it Kansas, Sporting Kansas City 2. They are going the lazy, stupid route and renaming them that. Yeah, it is the lazy, stupid route. But I think if they're just saying this is going to be our reserve side and we're not even going to attempt to build the the, the band identity strategy didn't work for us, so let's not shade, throw good money after bad here. And, and that really gets me. I, I, I am... I am so tired of these teams. Oh, it's not working. Forget it. We're just going to pull. I really hope DC doesn't go this route. I, I, I'm glad that they built Segra Field and they built that stadium, you know, in Loudoun, kind of separated. I, I think they're at least doing that part right now. I think they have to do a little, put a lot of effort out there, bring people in, you know, bring the youth soccer fans in, bring some of the other soccer su- supporters in, and put a successful product on the field is probably also the important part. I think. You know, Swoop Park, I think they made the championship one year and then they've kind of just sort of it's sort of been a regression to the mean and no one's showing up. So I think that's kind of been the the big problem for them. But really what it is, if you're going to found these, you know, USL League Two, I think like New England is starting a team in League One and they're going to play at Gillette Stadium. And I'm like, you guys have learned nothing. Why not put that thing in the middle of Boston? Why not, you know, have it in your city center in Boston? Find some random stadium or field out there in Boston that can hold 5,000 to 10,000 people and just put it right there. University of Massachusetts is right there in Boston. Just do that. I think they're in there's there. A, there's a couple colleges they could choose from. Yeah, for sure. exactly. Like, exactly. Um, you know, it doesn't, make, it doesn't make any sense to play them at Gillette Stadium where they're going to be like 200 people there. Like there's going to be like, you know – three fans that actually want to watch the team. I mean, it makes it, it, that makes no sense to me. So, yeah. So, uh, I think as we're sort of rounding at the end of the show, uh, the final statistics for attendance have come out. DC United finished 15th, uh, with an average attendance of 17,744, uh, with a high was, I think a sellout at 20,838. I think with, 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 uh, 20,600, 20, I think, is the max, which they uh, did a couple times, I think, or maybe twice. That is up 0.6% from last year and down 0.9% from 2017. 2017, you will remember, uh, was last call at RFK. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> there, I mean, so there, fun with numbers. There's a lot of things that there's a lot of it, things that goose that, but it's uh, it, just something to think about. And 2018 was also brought down by the fact they played one game at um, the Maryland Soccerplex. 
which can only hold 5,000 people. So that's going to bring But then they also played a game in Annapolis that could hold like 80,000 people, and it definitely didn't. (laughs) No, No, that's what I'm saying. Those those two games, those two games are probably decreasing 2018. Not to say that, you know, I think it shows that DC still is a very much a big soccer town. People are still wanting to come out to see a product that they believe that can win. And for a large part of the season, we all kind of thought we were in a rut and that they were going to turn it around. Um, I think this playoff run is, is, is pretty crucial to maybe getting some people back. I think getting back, I've seen posts from people. And again, I know it's, you know, anecdotal evidence. It's not, you know, a large sloth of numbers, but there's a, I I saw a Reddit poster be like, you know, Hey, how like literally going to the DC United Reddit board asking, how's DC doing? I used to watch their games last year because it was on a channel I could get. Um, There's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. So So they have a chance to change that next year. And I think that they probably will. Yeah, so I one mean, ho- one hopes. One but hopes. But I, I also think that that means I think they may have sized the stadium correctly. I think there was a big concern about demand and how they would be able to sell tickets. Um, you know, they're not selling out every every week. Um, so maybe the, I think that they might they might know the market better than we do as far as people who at least the price point that they're willing to to put these tickets at, which is not cheap, other yeah. than <laughs> supporters groups and on the other end line. Yeah. Um, they may they may have gotten that right. They they definitely put a ceiling on their future growth, but that might also say something about their level. You know how how much they think they're willing to commit going forward. At least with this ownership group, they want to make sure that they're you know there's a there's an equation there that they're they're putting investment in salaries and auxiliary costs versus expected revenue from ticket sales and 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 uh, you know uh, what do you call them luxury boxes and all that stuff. So that's all that's all factored in. That's what's part of it too, and also the size of the the uh, space that they had to build on, which is also a major driver on the number of people. I think I think the important thing is going to be, you know, Joe Rooney fan, person who's here to see just see Wayne Rooney, might not come back, might not buy that ticket to watch this game because I'm sorry Wayne Rooney's not there. The I think their their main goal over this offseason, when it happens, if, even if it ends in a championship, is going to be to figure out a way to get people who may have been questioning the team. They're they're here this year, but they're maybe not ready to, you know, they're, they're, they're maybe thinking about it. I, I've had people say, I, I mean, I'm here this year, but I don't know what's going to happen next year. I'm not sure about next year. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give this one more swing. If they can convince those people to stay, and then you can start bringing in some of those people that maybe gave up on it, that couldn't make it, or either, you know, they, the, it's it, it, sometimes it's not about the financial. The financial is, is a big deal, but it's a fact that, you know, these people, some of these people are falling out of love. And they're falling out of love with this club. If you can bring some people, keep the people, and then they can go and say, hey, things are different. You should come. They come to a game and they say, okay, I'm back. I'm ready to be involved in this team. I'm ready to, to commit to this team. Um, I think that that should be my number one goal if, if I am if I am sort of a marketing person at this club is I want to convince the people that stayed through, stayed through this that, yes, we've changed. We're going to honor the history. We're going to do all these things. We're going to make things better. We're going to get a TV deal that makes sense. We're going to get something that more people can watch. Um, you know, more people can enjoy and, and, and be a part of, um, I think that'll go a long way to sort of bringing people back and really convincing the fan base that, you know, Hey, we're ready to go. This is, this is, this is, this is, uh, this is DC. You know, we got the new stadium. This is the stadium for, this is literally a stadium for all, not what it was, you know, the, when they opened it or, or what it was looking like it was going to be. 
So I think that, that's that's an important, crucial part for this team in the offseason if they want to keep those numbers up with Wayne Rooney gone. Um, there's a question on Twitter that's sort of an end-of-year question uh, that we can we can just give a quick a quick thoughts on. Uh, at Mark C eight five six says top three team top three things the team needs to prioritize this offseason. I think that the conventional wisdom there is to look at on the field, but I don't. I'm not. I'm going to choose to answer a different question, <laughs> and also sort of part of the things that I've been talking about earlier today. I think the number one thing, one of three, is to decide on a new tactical and stylistic direction for the team. And that and that has a lot to do with what they do with Ben and what they do with Dave. So the first thing they decide is what do they want to be next year? What team do they want to be? Are they okay being what they are now? That has been, you know, stylistically offensive to many people, but generally productive from a points perspective uh, and, a, and a money ball type of perspective. If they want to say like that, then I think fair. That's what they're going to do. But I think they have to decide what they want to do with that. I think another thing they need to do is uh, finish <laughs> finish the uh, freaking training ground in uh, in Loudon so they can stop being in the construction business and they can solely be in the revenue generating business and paying down their debts. I think that will change a lot of the uh, the conversation that's going on about this team being house poor. Um, they'll still be they'll still be making those debt payments, but I think that when you're no longer actively uh, you know, there's cost overruns. They're going to spend more money than they want to spend. They're going to go over budget. It's going to it's going to bleed into things. Um, I think that's another thing. And the final thing that I think they need to do is hit a home run on the TV deal and figure out the best, most widely visible way to see this team. That's the number one most important thing is eyeballs. Then it would be great if there was this auxiliary shoulder content that they were talking about with flow comes to be in some capacity, that would be great. But the number one thing is make sure they see, make sure if a person wants to see a game, they can see a game, pop, period, stop. And then also, I think, uh, he didn't ask before, but the fourth one out, the rest of the front office and the media staff all the way to where it needs to be. They have added a lot of people in the digital media space, clearly, uh, just based on, you know, when you're, when you do a weekly podcast about this team, uh, you're, you you know more about staff than you should. Yeah. You know, you know people's names that are like that. It's like, it's like uh, I, I can't. It's like knowing who uh, does accounting at the at, at a place you don't work. That's basically that's the level at which I'm at. But they've added a lot of people in that space. Uh, we we talked ad nauseum about the new social media person and the things that she is doing and her team is doing and that we like them and that they're good and that memes are good and we should keep doing them. Um, but there are more hires to make so that this team is not stretched and people aren't doing uh you know, more than they should do those things. And I'm much more confident about the position this team is in uh, in 2020 to be also effective on the field. Those are my, that's my opinion. Did yeah. I steal your thunder, Ted? Uh, no, you're, you're good. Um, I mean, I think if I, if I want to take a different approach to that question and answer, you know, I, all the off the field stuff, I think I've, I've said, and, and I agree with on the field, I, I will answer his on the field question. Um, number one is you have to figure out, who you're keeping, you know, it, this this team's offseason is going to vary drastically based on who they decide to keep and who they decide to let go. And the three players right now are, you know, four, I'll say, but in reality, it's pro- he's probably not coming back. Uh, the first one who's probably not coming back is Luciano, Luciano Costa. Um, then you have um, uh, T.T. Rodriguez, Bill Hamid, and uh, Leonardo Hara. 
Leon Hara is probably not coming back based on, you know, everything we've sort of said. Um, those, those four decisions, if you know, one or two are back is going to, is going to change how this team looks at the off season. And that's going to be really the most important thing you're going to need. You're going to want to negotiate those deals. You don't want to get, you know, taken to the, to the woodshed, especially on the Hamid deal, because you need to figure out a way to say, look, you're not playing him. You're not, he's not a part of your team. You know, don't, you know, don't screw us on this. Um, but you know, you get that deal done, then you're not looking at, you know, a starting keeper next season. Um, you, you, you know, I think Chris Seitz is a, is a fine serviceable, you know, player in spot starts. Uh, but he's not a guy I necess- I, I think can do the type of stuff that Bill Hamid does. Um, so that's key. If that doesn't get happening, then you're looking at figuring out your goalkeeping situation. And that usually involves spending some form of money. Um, usually potentially a lot, and you spend a lot of money on goalkeepers, that affects you in MLS. It's not like the rest of the world. Um, if you bring him back, then boom, you've got that position set, and you don't have to worry about that. Um, you bring you bring back Acosta, however unlikely that looks, or you bring back Rodriguez, uh, your offense is pretty much set. Um, you don't really have to worry about that. You can look at the other side of the ball. Um, I don't think Hara's coming back either, but you know, I think that that's kind of, you asked the question, what are the top three sort of things? If you're looking on the field, we really don't know because there's a lot of sort of things that are sort of up in the air about this team. And, uh, and, and I think that's the, uh, uh, that, that's sort of where this team lands this off season. Also a question of whether Ben Olsen's back. Do you bring Ben Olsen back? Do you keep him? Do you find someone else? You know, is the ownership, you know, there's, this uh, this is going to be probably the most drastic rebuild, the first real rebuild, so to speak, that this team is going to have in Audi Field because they very much had a project in the summer of 2013 to rebuild that team, and it started with signing Russell Canals, Paul Ariola, and Zoltan Stieber. Zoltan Stieber didn't work out, but Ariola and Canals have. So that's very much kind of what what this team has sort of been building towards is sort of building towards 2018, that end of the season. And then, um, and then this season in 2019, um, it's had mixed results. Um, but now we're entering, uh, potentially another rebuild and sort of a different identity. Um, whether it's a soft rebuild or a hard rebuild, I think it's going to depend a lot on who comes back next season. Um, off the field stuff. I think you hit pretty much the nail on the head. Um, I think this team needs to re-engage with the fan base, get eyeballs. And those eyeballs include, most probably uh, Comcast Sportsnet. Um, I think you. I think you should be able maybe to work out a deal with Comcast. Maybe you don't get all the money that you can get somewhere else, but maybe you can at the very least get them to commit some more to some more content. Um, it's not like it was in. I, I can't remember when they last got rid of the deal. Uh, but NBC Sports Washington has actually committed to having a live streaming service on their app, and it's you know available if you have their cable subscription. Um, it works fairly well. I've watched plenty of Washington Capitals games uh, u- utilizing that app. Um, it works pretty well. So I think you can explore that, and you can still be on eyeballs, so to speak. You can still have, uh, you can still have, and at the very least, you're giving your fans easy access to watch games, and you're giving them that access to watch wherever they want, which was what they, you know, championed in this Flow Sports deal. Um, I really hope it's Comcast. I-, I think it should, or NBC Sports Washington. I'm not. I'm on. I'm, I'm going to call it Comcast Sportsnet. From I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm old. It's what it no, is. No, you'll call it HTS if you're really old. <laughs> HTS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was. Uh, I, I remember watching games on HTS when you were uh, one and and, th- and two. I was like maybe? five, six, seven, eight. Give me, uh, cut me some slack, John. Oh, never, never, young, young, and young. <laughs> 
<sighs> All right. Um, I we, we didn't have anyone else call in, but you you can still you know get in like you know we'll we'll give you like thirty seconds. Um, I guess sort of putting the the bow on this season. Um, John, give me a grade. Give me a grade for the regular season. Give me, give me, give me an A B C D F grade for this regular season. Is that a loaded question based on the thing that people were talking about about Ben Olson uh, being yelled at by this? Did we, did we touch on that? We we the t- caller did. Yeah, the caller did. We touched. I mean, I I am willing to say that people were probably upset. People were, you know, I I was upset after that game. I was I I, I check the Twitter feed if you were curious uh, how Ted was feeling. Yes, after the game as I was walking to my car. Yes, yes, I was I was upset. I was angry. I admit it. The anger almost always goes over, and you know it was just such a frustrating performance. Um, I tweet emotionally sometimes, and you know maybe I need to examine that a little bit. But um, I think I think I still got my point across a little bit in sort of how I was feeling about the game. I think everybody was feeling about that about that game. Um, I usually sort of tweet emotionally and like I'll just get rid of everybody. I felt that way at the last call at RFK because they got a win and then could not beat the Red Bulls and then Acosta and I was just like, you know what, just get rid of everybody, start over. We're getting a new stadium anyway. Let's just let's just let's just do that. And then you know you come you come down a little bit. You relax, and then you kind of breathe, and you really think about it. So, um, anyway, that's what I thought. But uh, as far as the people yelling about um, Olsen out and all that, I mean, I think it's people acting emotionally. And I and I think a lot of those people probably maybe don't say that type of stuff in the stands, and maybe we're just like, you know, yeah, get, you know, it's this was a horrible performance. Um, I, I'll be, I think, like everything, I think the, a playoff performance can kind of fix everything for this team. So. Um, I don't Fair. know. I don't know what you thought. You, no, no, I'm not. I'm not a, a confrontational person. Uh, I, I wouldn't have done that. But that's not me. And people can do whatever the hell they want. Um, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think that he was not reading the room, as some people say. What do you want him to do? Do you want him to like hear that people are yelling Olsen out and then just turn turn shoulder and walk the other way? What are they gonna What are they gonna say about him then if he does that? So he can't win there. Uh, and I don't know if he fought a fan which uh, some people are saying that he did i think that's i think that's dramatic anyway i just wanted to get that out there because i thought it was a little stupid yeah um the uh my grade on the field this season uh, yes c plus was it sorry what'd you say c plus c plus we were first place in week 13 uh and then everything sort of got flat uh the team was able to get results uh in an, in, an, in their conventionally unappealing way but that to me is average. I think that uh, we're no longer running on the shoestring budget and the uh, and the just sort of dregs of the universe players that we were <laughs> signing then. We have players that can, can conceivably do a little bit more, uh, and they didn't really, uh, at least to my satisfaction. I think C plus is I think C plus is fair for them. Yeah, I, I you know I, this might go against sort of my normal positive feelings, um, but. I, I just look at the expectations we had coming into the season, and the expectations were we were probably going to be competing with Atlanta. And at the time, we thought New York Red Bulls, uh, New York City, that this team was going to be in contention for that. Um, things started out great and went haywire really quickly. Um, I will secede that a, a lot of things were possibly out of Ben Olsen's control and the team's control. Um, Rooney leaving in the middle of the season. I, I don't care what you say. It probably still had an impact. Um, Acosta's transfer definitely threw a wrench in a lot of things and, and certainly affected a, a lot of there's outside forces you can't control. Um, that being said, you know, there are still expectations for this year. 
And, and unless this team goes out and win an MLS Cup, and this grade will change, um, it, it'll change drastically. It'll be very much kind of like an average type thing. Um, I'm giving this team a D um, for the regular season. Just Dang. D yeah, for dang. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's a barely passing grade because they made the playoffs. Um, and because they at least – they made the playoffs and they finished fifth, which you can argue is probably the worst – position to finish in the in the MLS playoffs. And I, I do want to touch on that. The reseeding is stupid. It's dumb. It's stupid. And I do not understand why Major League Soccer decided this was a good idea to do. Because basically fifth place is the worst position. Not only do you not get to host the first game, but you also do not have any chance of hosting the next game. The team that finishes below you has a better chance has a chance of hosting the next game. Um, it, it, reseeding is stupid. It's, it's dumb. And they, I mean, the, the lack of reseeding, I should say is stupid and dumb. And, and they, and I, I, it's baffling to me. I hope next year they're like, no, next year we're doing reseeding because otherwise I'm, I'm a little more okay with these playoffs. I don't like a team winning, only having to win three games to win a championship. I think it should be a little bit, you know, more competitive football is kind of a little different. It's a very intense sport. Um, but it is a little bit, you know, it's like almost like three games and you're a champion. That's not kind of how it works in soccer. Soccer's supposed to be kind of a long, a long haul. Um, and with the and you know, basically, if if we have a matchup between, um, I'm trying to remember who the like, I think it's like FC Dallas and New England are like the two teams that finished seventh in their respective divisions. If we have a matchup in them in the MLS Cup final, um, I'm hopeful MLS will kind of rethink this a little bit. Um. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm giving them a D um, because I, I just I think with the, exp- the high expectations we had for this season, I think they did not meet those expectations, and then compounded with this game, I think the game where they had a chance to at least give your fans a home playoff game, a game where you know you can they can see you know people like me who who couldn't make it on Sunday, give them one last opportunity to to witness also a home RFK playoff game. And, you know, it, there's a mathematical possibility that happens if the team goes on an amazing run and then one of the teams below them goes on an amazing run for, like, the, the conference championship. Um, but let's be serious. It's probably a pretty low chance that that actually happens, that a lot of things have to go right. Um, it, it just wasn't good enough. Um, it's passing because, I mean, they made the playoffs, and that's the only only reason I'm willing to give them a passing grade. Um, yeah, that those are my those are my thoughts on the regular season. Hard. All right, well, let's uh, let's uh, let's can this thing. We'll yep. have a better we'll have a better preview for the Toronto game next week. We'll hopefully have someone to talk to about it. Uh, and if not, then Ted and I will try to become a season's worth of experts on Toronto FC in seven days. If not <laughs> if not that, I was like, they got two players from the national team. We could talk, you know, at least those guys. Yeah, we know those players very well. Yeah, we do know them very well. And Nick DeLeon. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Twitter.com slash RFK Refugees. Facebook.com, search the RFK Refugees podcast. We are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash RFK Refugees. Donate to the show. Helps us get things that actually make this better. You guys are the reason. Patreon is the reason that the show is on YouTube. Otherwise, we'd be the same. We will catch you all next week. Vamos. Vamos.